Welcome to the Connecting Mind and Spirit podcast, a podcast devoted to helping you understand and apply the teachings of A Course in Miracles. I am your host, Fiona Williams, author of the newly released book, Awakening Your Right Mind, Healing from Fear and Following Spirit with A Course in Miracles. The benefits of A Course in Miracles are experienced through application of its right-minded principles. Throughout this podcast series, I will explain specific topics and teachings from A Course in Miracles and guide you through meditative exercises, which will help you apply the teachings to your life. Thank you for being here, and let's get started. Okay. <laughs> Everyone can hear me? We're all good? Awesome. <laughs> so thank you so much uh, for joining me in this class. Um, of course, it being the month of love, I wanted to talk about relationships. Um, but obviously, relationships are very complex. And if you notice, A Course in Miracles places such a heavy emphasis on relationships. So this is why I wanted to talk about relationships, because one of the things that Jesus focuses on in the course is that there is no actual separation between us. We're all perfectly connected. And as I get more into the class, I'll be sharing how connected we are. But it truly is um, your relationships, which I like to say that they're your, your mirror. They're a reflection of your own psyche. It's because in your relationships, you get to see if you lose your temper, you get to see what your triggers are, right? And if you were just living all by yourself and not interacting with anyone, you wouldn't get to see those kind of reactions and you wouldn't get such an opportunity. And so if it weren't for your interactions in relationships, you wouldn't be able to see how you're functioning and what's real for you in your mind. So essentially in your relationships, you get to see your reactions, kind of how reactive you are, you get to see your triggers, and you also get to see your ego beliefs and your judgments. And they kind of come to life in your relationships, don't they, right? Like just the way you converse with other people and how you react. Okay, so it is in our classroom, but this whole world, this whole physical world is a classroom, right? That's how A Course in Miracles approaches it. So that's how the Holy Spirit approaches this world. And that, of course, includes our relationships. To the ego mind, this world is a hiding place. It is a hiding place from God's supposed wrath because we think that he's super mad at us or we're thinking we separated from him. So through the ego's purpose, it's trying to keep us more entrenched in this world. And it does that wonderfully through our relationships. And with the Holy Spirit, though, our right mind, we get to use our relationships as a tool within the classroom. And they're a major tool within the classroom. They're always happening. So when you begin to see how you're functioning in your relationships, you begin to get an opportunity to correct more of your ego thoughts, and you begin to see more what's real for you, right? So in the course, Jesus teaches us, as I've already alluded to, that there is no actual separation. There's just oneness. In this physical experience, which is a projection of the ego mind, everything appears separate, even down to cells dividing. It's a constant separation experience in this world. 
And what Jesus is helping us do with the course is to see beyond that facade of separation to our perfect unity, our perfect oneness. So although it appears that we are separate, Jesus is really trying to highlight for us that we are perfectly one and perfectly connected. It's even taught in the course that only minds can unite, right? Bodies can try, <laughs> but it's only our minds that can perfectly unite. Okay, so this is why Jesus put such a heavy emphasis on our relationships. Um, and there is no escaping that we are one. And so what happens at the level of the unconscious mind? So right now in this daily life experience, it's a conscious waking experience where we appear separate. But at the level of our unconscious minds, which we're of course not really aware of, the unconscious mind knows that there's only one of us. So what happens there is that every judgment we make about another, so even a politician who appears to be on the TV or someone who appears to be across the world or someone on our computers, every judgment we make about someone is actually being made about ourselves because our unconscious mind can't decipher between a me and a you. It knows there's only one of us. So I like to highlight that this is how we actually really kick ourselves in the teeth all the time. Every judgment that we make about another, we're harming ourselves. We're affecting our own self-esteems and we're really, really degrading our self-worth. So it's something to be really aware of. And I think it's a beautiful thing to learn that our judgments are really hindering our own experience of how we experience ourselves. Right, so it's really something to be aware of. So the unconscious mind, your unconscious mind knows right now that there's no me and you, it's all just oneness. So it's gonna take all those messages that you send out about other people as being a message about yourself. So Jesus knows that it is through our relationships that we're able to make a lot of progress on our spiritual path. And so I'm really glad you guys have joined me because that's what exactly we wanna do with our relationships. We're ready, A Course in Miracles is in our life. So we're re ready to up our game a bit, right? So one of the things that I wanna talk about in regard to judgment, because judgment is a major part of our relationships. And what's actually happening is that one of the laws of the mind is that ideas leave not their source. So what that also means, which I've already been talking about, how do your judgments affect your own self-esteem is because if you call someone an ass or whatever, you have actually put that idea in your mind and made it stronger in your mind. The judgment came from you, you appeared to put it out on someone else, but it didn't leave you because ideas don't leave their source. That idea came from you and it actually got stronger in your mind. So what you will start to do is, you know, we could easily say in our conscious experience that we call someone else a name and we're like, but I don't think that about myself. But at the unconscious mind, you'll actually just start to experience yourself that way. So it won't be as cut and dry as I've called a person that but I know I'm not that, it'll be more of how you experience yourself. So when you do make a judgment, you know, you do experience the effects of that judgment in some way, uh, pretty soon thereafter. You can maybe feel like a lot of regret or maybe in the days coming forth, 
you know, you have another interaction with someone and it doesn't go so smoothly. Maybe you find yourself more reactive or you can also find yourself just more anxious. And that's because those fear thoughts, those judgments that you're holding on to, they're beginning to affect you at your unconscious mind. And they're beginning to affect your physical conscious experience. So before the course, you know, you could maybe reflect on maybe how you were walking around pretty blind as to how you were functioning. I know I was, <laughs> right? You feel safe to judge and um, just really participate in this world as though we're all separate beings. But what's actually really happening is that the whole time we're feeding into our own conscious waking day experience and fueling it all this negativity, right? So it's really something to be aware of. So you can maybe notice how you were before you started the course and who you are now that you've started the course. <laughs> so now we're taught in the course that no one is sent to us by accident. So every interaction that we have with someone is purposeful and it's been brought about by the Holy Spirit as an opportunity to heal. So that means that all of your relationships that you experience here, bad or good, you chose before you appeared to come here in this physical body, which is pretty profound thing to recognize, right? I can easily say I've had some really tough relationships and I'm like, whoa, I welcomed that. Like I signed up for that, but I did. And that's because seen through the Holy Spirit's eyes, it wasn't a bad thing. It was an opportunity to heal, right? Um, even some of our hard relationships maybe brought us to discover A Course in Miracles, you know, or things like that, which is really cool. It helps us to deepen our spiritual path. But what is really happening is that before we appear to come into this physical body, we chose our parents, our siblings, our teachers, coaches, friends, best friends, romantic partners, all of that. And so I like that Jesus in the course is always like, you're not a victim. And I'm helping you to realize you're not a victim of this world or the relationships that you've chosen. I want to help you use them correctly, right? Now, another cool thing to note is that relationships can actually be really brief. So um, someone who passes you in the grocery store or someone who's walking down the street towards you, that is a relationship as brief as it, as it is. So I like to think, <laughs> you know, someone starts to walk down the street towards you on the sidewalk. So I have two dogs, so I'm walking the dogs and I will notice my ego dialogue about the person. You may notice for yourself, like you're already starting to formulate judgments about them. And are they an enemy? Maybe you're judging what they wear, how they walk. Maybe they remind you of someone, or maybe you can actually find yourself getting really defensive. Like, what if they say something to me, right? And by the time they actually reach you and you pass by them, you know, chances are they say good morning or hello, or, you know, how are you? you've actually had this whole ego dialogue about them that they don't know that you had. And by the time they reach you, you could actually find yourself irritated by their very presence, right? Like that's how quick our judgments are. That's how, how habitual our egos are, that we just fall into that. So I kind of like to use that as, a, as an exercise myself when I'm out walking the dogs. I'm like, oh, there's someone walking towards me. I want to be aware of the ego dialogue and I want to start to correct that process. So by the time they approach me, 
I'm seeing them with my right mind <laughs> and not all that ego crap that I put on them. And God bless them. They were just walking towards me on a street. <laughs> so it's just something to really be aware of that even those very, very brief encounters, right? Like a, a child in the supermarket who's maybe crying and you look at them and maybe you find yourself judging them or things like that. You will notice how much you're functioning from your ego because of a relationship because you encounter another human being. So they really are our mirrors. I always like to say that they are just, like if you have an enemy, they are not your enemy. They are your mirror <laughs> to how you're functioning. And so it really is up to us to start to be more aware. So that is, um, you know, kind of, I guess, a kind of brief overview of how we function in our daily lives with relationships. But what I also like to point out is that we all have, of course, this unconscious guilt, right? It's really deep-seated, deep in our unconscious minds, and we're not always aware of it. But what I like to say is, you know, when you see other people reacting, like maybe you like witness other people have an interaction that's not too friendly, or maybe you witness someone else roll their eyes at someone else or something like that. So really what we're witnessing is a bunch of other people having their unconscious guilt triggered, right? So we kind of, when we start to see it from that way, that that person's not mean or vindictive, I'm just recognizing that their unconscious guilt has been triggered for maybe the simplest reason, who knows. But it, it does kind of start to help that when we go and we finish this class and we step out into the world, we start to have compassion for others because they're experiencing that unconscious guilt that we are too. And we've asked to be more aware of it. And maybe they have, maybe they haven't, we don't know. But it is a nice compassionate point of view to be like, I know where you're coming from. At least on that level, I know what guilt feels like. And I know how it shows up and I know it's not pleasant. So, you know, it just kind of helps a little bit to have that awareness. Now, so doo -doo -doo, it is important to note, this is like, cause the course is so mind bending in its teachings. One of the things that re is reinforced in Gary Renard's work, if you're familiar with him, he wrote the books, Disappearance of the Universe trilogy. Um, and what was really focused upon in that is, and also in the course, but more clearly in Gary's work, is that this entire world, yes, is a projection of our minds. But what's reinforced for us is that there's actually no one else out there. What we're really seeing is a projection of our own minds outward. Being So as the course says, right, the projection, the world, is simply a reflection of a state of an inward condition. So what I like about that is that it really, again, helps you to notice how you are, how you are functioning in your relationships, in your world, and in your own inner world of your mind. So it's kind of mind-bending to think that there's no one else out there. It's describing Gary's work that it's all like we're in a movie. And so I'm an actor in your movie, and you guys are actors in my movie. But I'm the projectionist, and I can choose if I want to see this movie through the ego's eyes, through the ego's filter, or if I want to take that away, and I want to see it through the Holy Spirit's filter, which is obviously more healing. <laughs> so it is 
it really puts us in the power position that what we see out there in the world is a projection of the collective ego mind and the relationships that come into your sphere are meant to teach you. They're meant to guide you, right? So even those people who are really challenging, they are your great, great teachers if you let them be, right? We don't have to roll over and accept the ego's agenda of conflict, right? We can begin to accept healing. Healing is natural. And you guys know my work, you know I'm always saying healing is natural. The healing of your relationships is natural. They're meant to heal. You're not meant to continue to be challenged in them, right? So it really brings a new perspective when we start to realize this is coming from my mind. I'm seeing this projection. I'm seeing this person's behavior and I'm seeing my own reactions. And now I begin to get to change who I'm going to view this encounter with, the ego or the Holy Spirit. And as we're taught in A Course in Miracles, our ultimate power position in this world, your ultimate power is your decision, your power of decision. I either choose the ego or the Holy Spirit. That is your greatest power here. So of course we wanna put this and bring this into our relationships. So we don't have to roll over, right? And just accept the ego stuff, which of course we all know what that feels like. That's why we came to the course. <laughs> That's why we're looking to do things differently. So I always like to say that it's helpful to know what the ego is up to. So you can begin to dissociate and then begin to correct ego thoughts. So in your relationships, the ego is using them to keep you in conflict which is not very pleasant. It's genuinely wanting to keep you in conflict. It's wanting to keep conflict alive in your mind. The ego is trying to keep you focused on separation so that everyone appears separate from you. Remember that the ego is the poster child for separation. It's what it does. <laughs> we can't look for it for love or likeness or anything like that. It, it's the antithesis of love. So the ego is always seeking to separate and divide, always, right? So never doubt that. The ego is also keen on using your relationships to keep you feeling guilty. And how much does that show up in our relationships, right? Like, oh my goodness, did I say something wrong? She, she kind of moved her face a little weird when I said that. Is everything okay? They didn't reply to my text right away. Is everything okay? <laughs> you know, like the guilt just really shows up in so many ways. <laughs> um, and we can start, kind of start to see kind of sometimes when someone does reply to us, they're like, oh, sorry, I was just out for a walk or whatever. <laughs> and we kind of feel a bit silly. And it's like, oh, I really see how much guilt I put in that silence. <laughs> <laughs> right? I just fed my guilt into it when really the person was just out for a walk or something very simple like that. That's why they didn't get back to me right away. So it is kind of nice to notice sometimes how silly we're being. <laughs> um, and the ego also uses your relationships to keep you feeling like a victim. The ego loves a victim, right? Because a victim keeps you feeling helpless and powerless, which the ego loves. And the reason why the ego loves that is because you are powerful. Your mind is so powerful and the ego is terrified of you. It knows that in a moment, you can automatically switch over 
and choose the Holy Spirit over the ego, and the ego will dissolve. It will disappear. The ego thrives off of your belief. That's how it lives. If you didn't believe in the ego and everything that it says, it wouldn't affect you. It would simply cease to be. So the ego loves you feeling like a victim because it wants to uphold this narrative that you are helpless and powerless, right? And I always say when I teach the course, I kind of turn into a motivational speaker. You are so freaking powerful. It's amazing. And deep down, we're actually scared of how powerful we are because we think we successfully carried out the separation from our source. And so we don't trust ourselves. We're afraid we're gonna make the same mistake again and choose to separate from our source. So we play into that ego narrative that we are powerless and helpless because we want to diminish the power of our minds because we are afraid that we're gonna screw up again. Right, so you can also maybe start to recognize how much distrust is showing up in your relationships. You don't trust them, you don't trust yourself, things of that nature. All of that at an unconscious, at the unconscious mind, circles around your relationship with your source and what you're afraid of doing. That you are so afraid of replaying the tiny mad idea and experiencing that immense guilt again. And not only guilt, but fear. You are terrified deep down, we all are, that we are going to be punished by our source. That is the root of fear. And it trickles up to your conscious mind experience where you start to distrust other people and yourself. You start to be afraid of yourself and your mind, and you start to be afraid of other people. So the root cause, the separation, thinking we separated from our source, trickles up into our world. And this is what we experience in our daily life. Right, so that's actually what's happening. And so the ego mind, which is, as I said, the poster child for separation, will uphold separation and division any chance it gets because it doesn't want you to heal because if you heal, the ego is dead. So Gary Renard likes to describe it as being a survival machine. It is constantly seeking to survive in your mind. And that's why someone can't even walk past us on the street without us dumping a bunch of ego judgments onto them <laughs> right so I hope this is resonating with you guys because I certainly notice it in my own world <laughs> um, so specifically the ego has two different types of relationships which fit under the umbrella of specialness it has the special love which of course we can recognize our spouses family members things like that but we also have special hate so beginning with special love, <laughs> Jingo's saying hello. <laughs> um, specifically special love relationships, it can really lead to a lot of dependence, right? Like I need you to behave this way. I need you to not trigger me. I need you to do this and, and then I'll love you. But we also notice how people put that on us right? And we certainly have to find that we have to maybe walk on eggshells and tiptoe around and things like that. However, it shows up for you. But dependence is a huge thing. And when we look at dependence, what we're actually seeking to do is we're actually seeking to make sure our unconscious guilt doesn't get triggered. Can you not say that? Can you not do that? 
can you never use those words again? Things of that. What I'm really saying is my unconscious guilt sucks. And when I feel it, I really don't want to, I feel like crap. So can you just not do anything that triggers me? That'd be great. <laughs> Which is not really realistic for them. And when someone tries to do it us to us, it's not fair to us either. Right. You know, we're all in this together and you know, we kind of have to have compassion again, that we're all kind of coming from the same angle of our unconscious guilt, right? And so we all know what that feels like. So those are special love relationships. I also like to think that with special love relationships, you know, we feel that it's safe to project that, you know, it's okay for me to be in a bad mood today because that person will always love me. Maybe it's okay for me to be snappy towards them because they'll always love me. They'll always be there. Um, you know, it, it's, it hurts you and it hurts them. It's something to be aware of, not to feel guilty about. You know, we never want to feel guilty, but we want to be aware, <laughs> right? So special love relationships, um, that's what the ego is trying to achieve is, yes, oh, we think this is love. We think that this is love, but it's conditional love. Um, that's okay. We're allowed to have special love relationships. I have my spouse and he's amazing and I love it. And of course we get into our stuff. But it's all good. We recognize the patterns and we work on it and we open it and I want it to turn into a holy relationship, right? <laughs> so you're allowed special love relationships. Don't worry. Enjoy them. Have fun. You just want to be aware. <laughs> and then, of course, um, in special relationships, special love, pardon me, we can also have the idol where we idolize someone right? And in the course, we are taught that when we build an idol, that idol will eventually fall, and we will weep. Because it's like our world has broken down the things that make sense for us that are good. Somehow that has fallen down. So the world is a very shaky ground, the ego's thought system is very shaky ground. Um, so we want to be aware of what we're kind of building our relationships on. And then, of course, we have special hate relationships, which, of course, is a little more obvious to see the ego content in our special hate relationships. Um, and so it's a bit more obvious to see the ego at work as well. You can see the judgments that you're putting on them. Um, special hate relationships, you can see a lot of blame. You know, you did this, and that's why I feel this way, right? And things like that. Now, I, of course, have great respect for the challenges that we faced in our relationships. I had a relationship years ago um, that was emotionally abusive and a couple of times physically. And um, I don't wish anything bad for him at all, but it wasn't healthy. And that's just the way I wanted to see it as this is not healthy, both him and I deserve better, right? So we can kind of see that the special hate is really an opportunity for the ego to have a heyday that we can feel like a victim of others. But I chose to see more, because um, I was a course student at the time, I chose to see more that this was a relationship that needed to heal so desperately. It deserved my compassion and my attention, not that I had to stay in it, but that um, definitely it was an opportunity for healing. And I was very vigilant for that. And, and it worked out quite well um, that, you know, if I saw him on the street, it would be a good thing, not a bad thing, which is nice, right? <laughs> so, um, so I do have great respect for all the challenges that we face in our relationships. Now that we're course students and we have the course in our lives, 
we can start to unravel the beliefs that we've held about people from our history or the people that we're encountering now in our everyday experience. We can start to see it differently, which is um, a great opportunity. It's never too late to turn a relationship into a holy relationship. Um, even if you never see the person again, you have the memories that you're working with and you are still connected with them at the level of the mind and it deserves to heal. You deserve to heal all of your relationships deserve to heal. Okay, so I do have great respect for how challenging our, our, our relationships can be. Um, also in the special hate relationship, of course we have the enemies. Now, what I like to say is that to make an enemy is the worst thing you can do for your mental health. And I already spoke kind of about why, but it would be the judgments that you're making about that person. You, every time you make a judgment of someone or a group of people or a corporation or whatever, you have to maintain that judgment to make it real for you, to continue to make it relevant in your perspective. And so what that has you doing is repeating all these fear thoughts, all this judgment, this hate, this conflict. And again, that affects your state of mind. That affects you at an unconscious level and how you're functioning in the world. So if you hate on one of your exes, you may find that you're more anxious and you're like, why am I anxious? It's like, well, you past two days, you've been hating on your ex. <laughs> you know, it's just an example, but those are the types of things that happen. So when we keep an enemy, make and keep an enemy, you are again, kicking yourself in the teeth. All those judgments you make about them are affecting your own state of mind. And we can really see that at play in our world. The, all the battles that seem to be going on between people and groups of people and their beliefs, right? So it's, it's pretty dangerous to keep an enemy um, for your state of mind and your self-esteem. And, and it, of course, it's a hindrance to uh, becoming enlightened. Um, also in special hate relationships, we have the cycle of punishment where you see another person as guilty. And you actually might, you may notice um, in the past, maybe not now, but that maybe you're like, oh, good, that murderer got put away. Like, throw away the key. That guy's horrible, blah, 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 blah. And you have this whole ego dialogue around it. What's actually happening deep down is that you are actually feeling more comfortable with your own guilt because you didn't appear to kill anyone in this experience. And you're like, good, oh, someone's worse than me. Now my guilt doesn't seem so bad. Just for a moment, I don't feel so horrible. It's a really kind of subtle thing that when we see others as worse than us, how we're really setting up a hierarchy where we appear to be better and equality goes right out the window. That compassion that we're all coming from our unconscious guilt starts to go out the window and, um, and, and conflict lives in your mind. So punishment, wanting to see others as being punished um, is, is really a tricky thing that keeps conflict alive in your mind. Personally, if a murderer is behind bars, I really want him to get the rehabilitation that he needs, the mental rehabilitation. I want him to learn and experience the love that was obviously missing that led to him doing what he tragically did. You know, so things like that, we kind of want to come for a perspective of compassion and wishing that people have education instead of punishment. Right. So, but that's, that's my personal belief, <laughs> but um, either way, 
um, when we start to uh, glorify people being punished. You know, it's just something to be aware of, kind of catch yourself if you're noticing yourself doing that. That's a special hate relationship that you've set up in your mind. Um, so now I want to talk about in specialness is we have comparison. Now I've talked before that comparison is the seed of conflict. You can't have conflict without comparison. So in the world of oneness, and we have our source and we're all perfectly one, we're all perfectly connected with our source. That's the state we're trying to reach. But here in this physical world, we're having a split mind experience, right? And within the ego world, things appear dualistic. There is no longer oneness. There is the me and the you. And the me and the you and that dualistic perspective is where conflict arises. Because I need a me and a you to start to compare. And now once I've compared us to each other, now I have conflict. You're not like me. I don't agree with your beliefs. I don't agree with your perception. You don't agree with mine. I feel attacked. All of that stuff. So that's where specialness comes from, is that dualistic point of view of a me and a you, which of course our unconscious minds doesn't recognize. Again, our unconscious minds recognize only oneness. So really something to be aware of that dualistic point of view and the harm of having that, right? And it takes practice not to see that way. My goodness, <laughs> it takes a lifetime maybe too to start to not see that way. But either way, that's what we wanna begin um, recognizing. Now within our relationships, we have the laws of chaos. So the ego has its own laws, which Jesus puts in quotations <laughs> because they're not really laws. Jesus says they're delusions of the mind and they are. And so within our relationship, the law relationships, the laws of chaos really come to life. And so the first, well, I'm just gonna quickly kind of review them. But the first law of chaos, which you guys will recognize, the truth is different for everyone. <laughs> So, of course, the truth has to be different for everyone, right? Because that's where chaos is going to come out of, right? Again, you're not like me. You must be attacking me and me right back at you, right? So we just definitely see that how easy it is to recognize the ego at work in that first one. But the truth is different for everyone. Um, the second law of chaos is that each one must sin and therefore deserves attack and death. So again, that was kind of just what I was talking about around the murderer, right? Is that you deserve attack and you deserve death. And even on um, a more relaxed scale, the someone that we maybe just don't get along with, deep down in our unconscious minds, we still really want that attack and kind of death kind of um, it's that extreme of a response in our unconscious minds. Consciously, we experience it a little more muted at times, um, but that is actually what's going on deep down. It's like, yes, I need you to, again, uh, be punished because it makes me feel so much better about my own guilt. And I need to attack you because my own guilt is so unsustainable. I just can't bear to feel it. I have to project it out onto you. It's just here, take it. It's yours. You're the problem, not me, <laughs> right? So we really start to see that one at work. But what it does is um, the second law of chaos keeps your mind locked 
in that cycle of punishment and comparison, which it really is a vicious cycle. Yeah, so it's not very healthy. The third law of chaos is God believes your ego interpretation of God, that, you're, that God is sinful, um, that God can't protect you, that God can't save you, and now God hates you for it. So again, this is where that fear of our source starts to arise, that we think our source hates us and it's going to punish us. So again, it's very subtle in the conscious experience, but deep down, we have to start to recognize that all the thoughts we hold about others and ourselves, because they're our perception, they're our filter, they how I see, that's how I'm going to see my source. That's why we make God an enemy. And that's why we make any manifestation of the Holy Spirit an enemy, is because that's our filter for the world. We believe in enemies. And even though we may at times claim to love our source, you know, I know I certainly love my source, but I'm still afraid at times. And it's because of this, that deep down, I still think I'm going to be punished, that deep down, there's that unconscious guilt that is still so intolerable, right, that I can't bear to feel it. So you, we just kind of want to be honest that we're not fully aware of everything that's going on. But of course, we have the Holy Spirit with us to help us out of it. <laughs> but we will project our stuff onto our source. Absolutely. So if you find that you're not clicking <laughs> your source, you know, how are you looking at your source's creations, which would be your brothers and sisters? How are you viewing them? Right? Are you keeping guilt alive in your mind? Um, so then the final law of chaos <laughs> was that you have what you have taken. So what this is suggesting is that I can take from you and I am unharmed in the process. We can put this a little more simply. Again, I feel I can judge you and I'm safe. I'm immune. I'm immune from the deeds I do in this world. You're not. <laughs> Ideas leave not their source. The idea came from you. It's strengthened within you. And it's within you that it needs to heal and be corrected. So you're never successful in doing harm to another. Never. Okay. So those are the delusions. The final principle of the ego's laws of chaos would be that there's a replacement for love. And there is no replacement for love. And that belief in that there's a replacement for love keeps us searching outside of ourselves. Maybe that relationship has that key I've been looking for, that, that answer, that replacement for love. Maybe that outfit I need to buy or that job or that new place to live all of that external searching you're doing is trying to replace love because the ego says that there's a replacement for love, right? So very, very interesting to notice. <laughs> um, now, one of the first, so um, in my newest book, Awakening Your Right Mind, of course, highlight the laws of the mind because I think the laws of the mind are so important. They're how you function. And I believe we all deserve to know how we function. <laughs> And again, one of those laws of the mind is that we're all equal, right? So, of course, consciously in the separation experience, it doesn't appear that way. We come from different countries. We have different backgrounds. We have cultural differences. We were brought up differently. But not only that, we have our different perceptions, which were fueled also by our past life experiences, right? So when we approach someone, 
even if we've like, even one of my siblings, I don't actually know everything about one of my siblings. I have no idea all the thoughts they repeat. I have no idea all the judgments that they make and what's real for them. And I don't know their past life experiences. All I know is that for 40 years, we pretty much had the same experience when it came to our parents and our household. That's it. That's all I really know, right? So especially people who are outside of our family, we really don't know. <laughs> we really, really don't know. We have no solid foundation for judgment, <laughs> right? So it's sobering to see how ignorant we are <laughs> in our judgments. And I always love to say, I love how wrong I can be. Like it's, it's comical sometimes. The, the story I've set up and then I'm like, oh my goodness, I was dead wrong. And you just kind of laugh at yourself about how wrong you were about someone, right? So um, anyways, it's just kind of, um interesting to notice that yes at the conscious experience we all appear separate everything appears different the truth is different for everyone but then again at the unconscious mind the laws of the mind are the same for all of us we are all one mind we are all perfectly equal so not only is this a law of the mind but it is actually a foundation for healing jesus teaches in his course that healing occurs among equals right? So if I continue to see you as different and separate from me, I will not experience the healing that I want, right? So something to be aware of. Um, so healing occurs amongst equals. And so we want to remember that through our work with the course, what we're trying to do is we're trying to clear that ego pollution, as I like to call it, that has all those differences and those judgments about others. We're clearing that pollution away. We're clearing our vision so that it moves from ego perception to the Holy Spirit's true perception, where we are all perfectly one. We are all equal. That person does not deserve judgment from me. They deserve my love, right? And what I like to point out is that when Jesus speaks about loving others, you are not being asked to love their egos, right? You can look at someone's stuff and be like, how am I expected to love that thing that they did or that thing that they said? Well, first of all, you're making the illusion real by pointing those things out. <laughs> but second of all, you're not asked to love that ego facade. And it is a facade. This Fiona body that you're looking at is a facade, right? My mind is perfectly connected with yours. And that's the true Fiona, right? That's what I want you to love. It's the true Fiona, <laughs> right? So we want to begin to see beyond that ego facade that is so conflicted. And so, you know, you can't reconcile the ego. You can't bring it to reason or bring reason to it. It, it, it's, it just doesn't work. So you're just going to waste your time, as I would like to say, trying to make the ego look pretty. You can't do it. You want to see beyond it. As Jesus would say in the course, you want to be above the battleground. I'm not making it real. I see it's an expression of the separation that never actually occurred. And now I want to move beyond it. So I want to move up here, right? Where I'm not judging it. I'm not in it. I'm above it. And sometimes we need to take space in our relationships in order to allow that to occur. The course is very practical. It is always about how you think. You are not asked to stay in an abusive relationship and make it holy. You are not asked to stay in a threatening situation and make it holy. 
you are allowed to protect this vessel, which is a communication device, which is you're going to become enlightened through the body. You're allowed to take care of it and respect it, right? But you are always in control of how you think, always. So when you, so that relationship that I had years ago, that was not healthy. I had to move on. And that's when it wasn't, I wasn't being bombarded and it wasn't always in my face, the conflict, I was able to see correctly. I was able to see truly. I was able to see the peace that I had been wanting for so long. I was able to see him as the love he truly is and have more compassion because I wasn't involved so emotionally and being my unconscious guilt was constantly being triggered, right? So when you have that space, you have that time, that silence, you can do a lot of work about how you think about the other person, because you want to remember that how you think about them is, again, how you're going to experience yourself, but also because you care, right? You, you love the true them. And I know definitely from my perspective is I, I want people to know how much I care about you, but that doesn't mean I have to settle for the ego stuff. <laughs> sometimes I have to take a little space and that's okay. <laughs> right. But don't doubt that I love you and I love the true you and I'm rocking out my true forgiveness to make sure that I recognize how one we are, because that's what I want. And I don't want to judge you and I don't want conflict with you. Right. So you just kind of want to be honest about what you're trying to achieve in your relationships. So it's okay to take space if you need it. Um, the course is very practical, always and forever. It is how you think about what you're experiencing, about who they are, always. So I hope that's helpful. <laughs> okay, so there's a beautiful quote in the course that um, Jesus says about others, and he goes, he is your friend because you are the same. So after this class, you know, you can go out into the world, and I encourage you to maybe feel like how the same we are. Fear feels the same to all of us. Sadness feels the same to all of us. Anxiousness, all those expressions of guilt and fear feel the same to us. But love feels the same to us as well. We're really not different at all. Not at all. And at the level of the mind, which is really just so important, we just want to start to embrace that. So we want to allow our relationships to heal. So I promised you guys some awesome miracle stories. <laughs> so one of the first things that I, I probably have talked about it here and there is um, my own personal experience is in 2015, I had 11 people mad at me. And I always like to joke that like, I'm like a puppy dog. I try to be as benign as possible. Um, but it was a really challenging year. Um, and, but what I was vigilant for was the truth was that, wow, what an opportunity for healing I was being given. <laughs> Cause it was like, wham, wham, wham. But it was pretty interesting. I was actually, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit where this perspective of like, is this mine? You know, like, I know it's a projection of my mind, but I'm responsible for my reactions to it. And I started to go, you know, in, in like one was a work colleague who was um, having fertility issues. I didn't know that at the time, but she was being really feisty with me for a week. And at the end of it, um, you know, she's on the Friday. 
after a week of like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, she looked at me, she said, I've been rude to you. I'm like, I know, but I'm recognizing that I think you're going through something. And we actually went for coffee and she just bawled her brains out about her fertility issues. And I told her I'm here for her and I respect everything. And we just had a great conversation and it was amazing. And we hugged and we love each other, you know? So I started to see what's mine and what's theirs. And is this worthy of an ego reaction? No, <laughs> but you know, it was nice to kind of see that I didn't have to respond with the ego, that if I started to give it some space, and some love and some non-judgment and lifted up to the Holy Spirit for healing, that things began to reconcile. So what I was recognizing was that I wasn't poking her with my own ego stuff, right? I was really just giving her the space that she needed to move through what she was going through. So I wasn't perpetuating the ego's agenda and adding conflict to the situation, right? And the same goes, um, you know, with, um, it was uh, one of my, siblings spouses ex-spouses um but at the time spouse um same thing i recognized she had had a really tough year herself um and she was pretty angry with me about something um family members were like fiona fix it and i said i sent an email <laughs> you know and i just said um how you think about me does not affect my opinion of myself how you think about me does not affect my opinion of you I still love you and still want the best for you. I was being vigilant, super vigilant for the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and, and trying hard not to judge and working on that stuff myself. And what came around is that by May, so this was all happening around January, and that by May, um, I just let the Holy Spirit in the whole time and family members were like, fix it, fix it, fix it. I'm like, she's not ready. She's not there. Give her space, give her time. And in May, we were able to clear it all up and it was fabulous and i got to enjoy being around her which was such a gift in and of itself so all these relationship experiences that i was having you know um in 2015 by the end of it i was like Phew. but every single one of them except for one person we were able to clear things up and the one person they were a marketer hired by my ex-boss and I actually just never see her. So I just never got the opportunity to clear it up. And it's okay. It was just, um, I, whatever. <laughs> it's just not a big deal. And I can always continue to manage how I think about her. Always. That's your power position. That's my power position. So sometimes these patterns show up. And I want to help you realize that those patterns that are like, why does that always happen to me? Or why do people always misperceive me on that? Or why does that style of person keep popping into my life? It's like a red flag. It's like, please heal me. Please, please look at me. And that definitely that's what 2015 was for me. It was like, are you ready to heal me yet? Because I'm just here, just ready for you to do so, right? So you want to pay attention to the patterns that are repeating in your relationships right? Because they're, they're your red flags. They definitely are your red flags that something is itching to heal. <laughs> so hopefully you're spared an entire 365 days of the same lesson repeating. Um, so in the course, Jesus says that whenever we encounter someone, and especially if you start to notice yourself reacting, he says, choose again what you would have them be. Are you going to have them be that person who's contributing to your belief in conflict? Or are you going to have them be essentially your savior, 
your teacher, right? So of course that requires a lot of awareness, but I think it's definitely an awareness that we're starting to develop as we work with the course, right? We're training our minds to start to open up to see things differently. So I think it's definitely an awareness that's worthy of starting to create. What would I have this person be to me? Because I'm gonna feel the effects of seeing them with the ego. I'm gonna feel that pretty quickly. And I'm gonna experience those effects for quite some time and then maintain those judgments, which is you know, detrimental to my inner peace. Or I could let it go. I could lift it up to the Holy Spirit who's above the battleground and sees everything that everyone has been through, all of their issues, everything, and has great compassion for both you and I. I love it that Jesus teaches that the Holy Spirit will always work things out so that there's equal love for everyone involved. Like, how amazing is that? <laughs> so, of course, I want to hand it over to the Holy Spirit because I want equal love for all of us, right? So, it's, it's pretty cool what we're asking. So, Jesus says in the Course, this is a great quote, in his, the Holy Spirit's function as interpreter of what you made, which would be the ego, the Holy Spirit uses special relationships, which you have chosen to support the ego, as learning experiences that point to truth. Under his teaching, every relationship becomes a lesson of love, which I think is just so beautiful. So again, I mean, that does take some time because especially with relationships you've had for a long time, you have all those memories. Um, those memories that pop up, forgive them. Apply true forgiveness to them, the page 90 exercise, as it's lovingly known, end of chapter five in italics. Apply the true forgiveness process to those memories. Your memories deserve to be forgiven, right? They, they've popped up. You've remembered them for a reason. So do apply true forgiveness to them. It's really helpful. And it's going to help to clear your perspective that, of that person now. So that if you see them today, you might feel a little better because you know that you've forgiven that memory of something from the past, right? So you always have an opportunity, as I've said, to heal. You always have an opportunity to do these things. Um, and so I want to share an experience. I don't, so um, in the newest podcast that I just released, it's about innocence. And I shared an exercise that's in Gary Renard's book, Your Immortal Reality on page 80. And the exercise is that you can use it with other people. And it says, you are spirit, whole and innocent, all is forgiven and released. And it's such a beautiful exercise. Of course, you don't say that right to them. You say it privately in your own mind when you get the opportunity. But I was, um, as you guys know, there's been some struggles with my brother in my family recently, um, over, well, over these past few years. And I was like, you know what, I have to see this differently. And I asked the Holy Spirit for help. And lo and behold, I turned right to that page. <laughs> so I was like, before I went to sleep, I applied the exercise and I envisioned my brother. And I said this to him, you are spirit, whole and innocent. All is forgiven and released. And it truly is. Like, I feel so much love when I say that. But what happened that night, and I'm sharing it as kind of like a, um, not a warning, but be aware, is that evening is I actually had a dream where I was absolutely livid with him. I had never experienced so much anger. And when I woke up, I was like, whoa. But what I was being shown was what I needed to forgive in order to see him as spirit, whole and innocent, all is forgiven and released. 
I had to forgive that perception, that anger that I was holding on to in my mind. So do be aware that if you ask for healing, you, you know, will maybe, I mean, I always have very powerful dreams. That's how I tend to experience stuff. But do be aware that you will be shown maybe the memories or things that you need to heal that interfere with you seeing them the way that you really want to see them. So this is where um, Jesus teaches us about the holy instant. Um, so some of you may be familiar with the holy instant. It's a right-minded principle that you're seeing the person totally present in this moment, free of their past and free of the dialogue that you've given about the future, right? And so you want to practice as you forgive the memories, because I do, of course, you have to have respect for the memories that hurt. And you do want to, of course, truly forgive them. But as you start to do that, you might notice that it is more easy to be present with people and start to see them as they truly are now and not with all of that painful past memories. So as you begin to apply to your forgiveness, please do that. It's awesome. It works. <laughs> it's your key to enlightenment. Um, but you can practice maybe on the people who are not so triggering with you um, or maybe if you're ready to just go for it. Practice seeing them in the holy instant, this perfect instant where it's, it's eternal. It goes on for eternity and we're all free of the past and our futures are totally free and we're just perfect now, right? And Jesus teaches in the course, forgive them for what they did not do, right? Because we want to remember that this is, this is an illusion. The separation is an illusion. It didn't actually occur, but not only are we forgiving them, we're forgiving ourselves for what we didn't do. Again, that equality, right? Treating myself the same as I treat them and vice versa. So in that holy instant, you can also practice that for yourself because how you feel about yourself is also gonna help dictate how you function in your relationships. So in this holy instant, I'm gonna feel this holy instant for a bit and, and feel myself free from the mistakes of my past and the fears and anxieties of the future. And here I am now. And, and it's a fun exercise. I, I actually kind of feel it as kind of expansive. And, and maybe you get the opportunity to start to apply that to people in your life and feel that holy instant and start to see them free of their past. Um, and so I have a, another cool healing story. Um, a family member, they were working at a hospital and they had a challenging colleague <laughs> and um, this family member is very spiritual, always connecting with the Holy Spirit, which is amazing. And the next day, this family member had a meeting with this colleague that they were having problems with because the colleague was in a manager position. And um, anyways, so there was gonna be a meeting with that person and a few other people. And before the meeting, this family member went to go grab a coffee. And as they looked down the hallway, um, they saw the person they were having trouble with. And this person admitted that as they were approaching them, all the memories, all the fury, <laughs> the fury was coming up. But by the time they reached the person, they said, so-and-so, can I give you a hug? And the person started crying out of relief. And they hugged and they went to the meeting and they sorted it all out. So we can expect that at times that when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, and our issues, 
that we might surprise ourselves for the words that we say. Sometimes they're, they're not coming from you. They're coming from the Holy Spirit and they're moving through you. And it's such an amazing opportunity to allow um, your relationships, as I said, to heal. And I, as I like to say, let yourself be surprised. And, you know, this family member is not particularly huggy. <laughs> so I was really surprised that their first, you know, reaction was, can I give you a hug? <laughs> So I thought that was comical. I was like, that's definitely the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but it just helps you to see that even if you are feeling that rage, that concern, um, you can still invite the Holy Spirit in and you can still let yourself be surprised and let it move through you. Um, so I just thought that was pretty incredible. Um, and another really awesome miracle story I want to share is um, between with my husband and his ex. Um, when him and I met, they had separated. Um, they've been separated for a couple of years, but things were a bit volatile still. And when Eric and I would, before we'd go to bed, we'd say, you know, let's do a meditation around her. Let's lift her up to the Holy Spirit. Let's start to let go of the painful past together. You know, all of that stuff. And she's incredible. Um, she emailed him and or texted him one of the two and she said that she had watched on Facebook a video of a blended family and how they got along famously and it was she was able to make this person in there was able to maintain their mother role and the stepmom was allowed to be a stepmom and things like that and it just so inspired my husband's ex that she was like I want that and just moving forward, we had coffee together and she told me she loved me and that's what we wanted. We were able to have Thanksgiving. I was able to meet her mom and it was just so unifying. It was so beautiful and it was so healing. It was really incredible. So um, it was, I believe that because my husband wasn't feeding into the conflict and into the drama and was able to give her space. And in that space, again, we were inviting the Holy Spirit that she had this aha moment. She watched something on Facebook that resonated with her. And that's what the Holy Spirit does is it sends you messages that resonate with you and you'll understand them and they'll make sense for you. And that made sense for her. And it made her feel safe and open up to us. And now we get the beauty of having a relationship with her, which I'm so grateful for. I say my husband deserves to be friends with the woman who's the mother of his children, who he spent 24 years with. He deserves to have a friendship with her, right? And to honor who she is in his life. So anyways, it's just really incredible. So just never doubt the power of the Holy Spirit, just inviting in because, you know, just some of those stories I've shared with you, you never would have thought that healing could have come from that. It looked, some of the things looked really harsh um, or as Jesus would say in the course, vicious. And wow, they're just totally different now. Just love. So I hope that inspires you to just really invite the Holy Spirit in and to never give up. Just be vigilant, be vigilant for the truth because no matter what, you know, I've definitely had people in my life where things haven't necessarily been remedied but again, I'm in control of how I see them. And I don't feel as what my mother would say, hijacked <laughs> by thoughts about them, right? So I'm always able to forgive and to heal. So I hope that's inspiring, but you um, definitely deserve to heal and all of your relationships deserve to heal. So start to invite that healing in um, because that's what they're there for. And if you start to see it that way, this is why this has shown up for my healing, not to knock me down.
Um, also, I want to point out that seeing the truth in others, seeing them as the love of source, as they truly are, is one of the ways you can expedite your enlightenment. Not just the true forgiveness process, but see them that way. Because as you begin to see that, them that way, you will begin to feel yourself as innocent and as perfect love of source. And so that is just a little um, tidbit from, one, from Gary Renard's work <laughs> to expedite your enlightenment. And apparently that's what Jesus did in his last lifetime was he saw everyone as all of it. And a Mother Teresa, apparently the same thing. She saw everyone as all of it, as perfect love. So you start to change your experience of yourself by seeing how you see other people. Okay, so I hope that was really helpful. Um, we're gonna open up the uh, chat, see if anyone has any questions to just check in with Eric. Did anyone have any questions left? Uh, okay. Uh, from Carl? Okay, hi Carl. <laughs> so Carl has written, with the current insanity, fear, panic, and chaos going out through the entire world, is this the collective mass consciousness mind that is projecting this situation? Since we have almost 8 billion individual people projecting thoughts of judgment and separation, then the current global chaos is a reflection of that. Yes, absolutely. The entire physical experience, including the emotions, all of that stuff, I mean, even the state of nature, all of that stuff is a reflection of the state of mind of that collective, absolutely. Because this world is an entire, this whole universe is a physical expression of the state of the mind. So you always want to um, acknowledge that um, you, you are experiencing yourself in the split mind experience, you're experiencing yourself as part of a collective, um, and again, that's where you are in control, right? You're the projectionist. I can choose to see this with the ego or the Holy Spirit. I can feed the chaos or see it for what it really is. But absolutely, the state of our world, state of world affairs, all of that stuff is an, absolutely an effect of what is going on within that collective ego mind. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's cause and effect. They're one and the same. You can't have effect without cause and cause without effect. They're perfectly one. So yeah, does that help, Carl? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, excellent. I sometimes I have a hard time grasping the concept of you know, uh, there's only one mind, mm -hmm. and you know, here I am, I'm the one mind, but then I have to understand there's eight billion minds that seem see themselves as separate. Yeah, but that's really the only one mind. Yeah, and, and and so it it is a, a little hard to grasp, and and so when I remember that, I love uh, what Jesus says, and I practice this quite a bit about looking at it from above the battlefield. Yeah. When I when I can remember, you know, when I uh, I don't watch the news much, but it's not like I'm missing it, uh, and <laughs> you know, it does it does. I have a lot of judgment and thoughts around that, and and uh, I, I pull that back, and then. Now I know what I, I know. I, I remember, oh, yeah, let's go. Above. See, I'm above the battlefield right now. You, you know? are. You're in a great position. <laughs> and, and so, but it, it really is a great way to become objective and forgiving. And so, oh, yeah, you know, I understand. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. can see pe people on earth going, you know, punching each other and tasing each other. And so, oh, wait, that's just a projection of the one mind. 
Well, I also think it's helpful to remember um, the course's version of time, uh, how it explains time. Time has already occurred. The tiny mad idea and its effects of this physical universe already occurred. So we're actually looking now at what has already passed by. Mm -hmm. All the more reason to be less reactive about it. It's not actually happening. It's a projection of your mind that you're replaying, right? So that's where we begin to, oh, I'm going to put in the Holy Spirit's movie version of the movie. I'm going to put it that in. And that's where I begin to collapse time. Right, so it's very quantum, <laughs> uh, but that's exactly what's happening. So it, it is mind bending, but I've always shared that we can't hide from the um, course's version of time because it's fundamental to true forgiveness. And it's fundamental to, I think, not getting overwhelmed by this world and what appears to be happening. I'll tell you guys with the amount of stuff that's appeared to happen <laughs> over the past couple of years, I've found myself saying so many times, thank God it's an illusion. <laughs> like I'm so, woo, <laughs> like, I'm just going to sit down and watch a comedy and have a cup of tea because, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't need to feed into it. I don't need to. It's already healed. It's already passed by. You're already enlightened. All the more reason to come from above the battleground. And if there is anything you're supposed to do, if you are supposed to contribute in some way, you will know you will be directed very clearly. The Holy Spirit will guide you. As is, I love this, written in the course, you will be told everything you need to know. You don't need to go fishing for it. <laughs> you will be told. So if you're meant to hear it, you'll hear it. If you're meant to know, you'll know. If you're meant to forgive it, you'll know, <laughs> right? So you can back off a bit. Absolutely, permission to back off, go above the battleground, and if you are called to be of service in any way, you will hear that call and you will do it. And it will show up in many different ways for each of us. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it's already healed. <laughs> the, but the ego just splits and splits and splits. That's why there appears to be so many of us. Also, it's a very safe time compared to history. It's a very safe time to appear to be in the physical experience. We last a little longer <laughs> than we used to, right? So, you know, we are also sticking around. So we want to be, you know, the ones that are at this point focused on enlightenment. We're, we're ready for that. And that's our choice. And you got to go above the battleground to do that. And remember, it's already healed. So if it's already healed, we can do it. Show me how I'm here. It excites me. <laughs> yeah. Were there any uh, other questions or anything you guys would like me to elaborate on? No? No, Eric, were there any questions on Facebook? No, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun and I hope those miracle stories were helpful for you. Like I said, um, they felt very heavy um, at the time. There was definitely um, expressions of viciousness. Um, with that tiny ego self, things can really seem like they'll never heal. They really can. But with the blessings of our right mind and the Holy Spirit that is perfectly within us, your higher self, let yourself be surprised. That's all you got to know. That's all you got to know. Just be open. Try not to perpetuate the ego's agenda. If you do find yourself perpetuating it, forgive yourself and move on. Let the healing in. So this was a lot of fun and I love you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, Fiona. <laughs> Thanks, Carl.
Namaste. <laughs> Bye, Brenda. Love you, girl. <laughs> okay, have a great Sunday, guys. <laughs>